Welcome to the podcast. We're street smart, business smart, all kinds of smart people share their insights into the world of marketing, career journeys, and personal growth. So sit back and prepare to get enlightened with your host, Adam Posner. everybody and welcome back to the podcast where I bring you the best and brightest from the world of business, marketing and personal growth to help you harness your inner tenacity and drive your career forward. Let's talk about sales. And I got a guy here who knows a little bit about that. Selling is an essential component in all business and some of us do it as part of our job. And for others, it is our full time job. And a major part of my job is selling, selling candidates on opportunities and selling potential clients on my services and my company. And today I want to bring you a true sales pro and industry leader to talk about his story and his approach to hiring salespeople. And hopefully he will drop some other secrets as well. My guest today, Brandon Bornison, is a serial salesperson, author, angel investor, and keynote speaker on all topics related to sales, marketing, and entrepreneurship. His cut to the chase, no bullshit in the trenches, made millions, lost millions, and everything in between since he was 18. And he's the CEO and founder of Seamless.ai, one of the fastest growing SaaS companies that delivers the world's best sales leads. Been seeing him all over the place. We're going to dig into that in a little bit. He's got over 30,000 companies that use his product, generating millions in sales. Big names like Google, Amazon, Facebook. I mean, you know them all. They're all using his product. This is super impressive. Let's dig in. Let's jump right in. Brandon, welcome to the podcast. Woo! Dude, that was a fire intro, man. I'm going to bring you with me wherever I go as the, uh, the fire, the rain man. The get rain you, man. get you into the hype, man. I'm like the, the Michael Buffer. I'm not even going to say it because if I say his tagline, I'm going to get like ding lawsuits, right? So let's get ready to get ready. We'll just leave it at that one. So why don't we start and give my tribe a little bit on your origin story. For those who do not know you, who is Brandon? Where the hell do you come from and what are you doing now, man? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll I'll give the thirty second spiel. So, uh, you know, family was poor. Dad got a job in sales. Uh, took that software company, the first company to do a billion dollars in sales. So I saw firsthand my my family go from super poor to super rich. And when I was sixteen at his president club in Hawaii, uh, he's like, "Look around the room." And I looked around the room. There was two hundred forty people, all dressed like. They were in the Grammys and Texas and whatnot. And he's like, there are more millionaires and people earning six figures in this room than you'll probably ever see in another room. And I'm like, damn, I was like, one day I want to do that. And uh, that's when I realized I want to get into sales. Um, So when I was 18, went to a, uh, the number one school for sales at at my state, Ohio university. It was also the number one business school and party school, which was awesome. Kill three, Hmm. three birds, one stone launched a uh, company for the online gambling industry that did 10 million in sales by the time I was a junior. So had a lot of success uh, selling for the online gambling sites, launched a second company, lost it all, then realized, you know, I just want to go full-time sales. So sold for IBM and Google for the next decade and then got the itch back when I was selling for IBM and Google. It was impossible to find the people that I needed to sell to. So I, I built a, a scraper, uh, but basically a spider that uh, a search engine that finds everyone you need to sell to. And it was very similar mm-hmm. to the one that I built in college to sell and market the online gambling sites. And uh, we generated hundred million in sales, became a, a self-made millionaire. That was the awesome. first time I became a self-made millionaire in sales as an employee. And I'm like, shit, if I could do it, anyone could do it. 
So we went all in to, to positively impact a billion people. We want, we're on a mission to create a thousand millionaires, 10,000 salespeople earning over a hundred, hundred thousand dollars in sales and recruiters and entrepreneurs and marketers. So that's where we're at today. Good for you, man. I mean, I think that's really what drew me to you. I mean, success attracts success, right? So let's take it back. Do you remember the first time you sold something as a kid? Uh, yeah, it was baseball cards to Liz Fergus, second grade. Right. Do you remember that? Do you remember who it was on the card? Ah, uh, shit, dude. It, <laughs> it's it, a Friday, man. It's, it's been a long I, week. Well, I, I, you know, because we were super poor, my, my mom would go like garage, like we went to all these garage sales and she would bring me. And I remember like all of our clothes were purchased from garage sales. Then we'd be at these garage sales and I'd see like baseball cards or pogo sticks or whatever the hell kids are into at the time. And like, I remember buying a bunch of baseball cards at the garage sale and I took it to my class. And then I just started like trying to sell it for like a dollar a card. And I think I paid a dollar for like a stack of 50 or a hundred. It was in you, man. And I convinced this girl to buy like $30 worth. She ended up like getting in trouble. I got in trouble. You gotta give her money back. Her mom mom (laughs) called. Nightmare. But uh, yeah, no, I don't remember what was on the card. But yeah, second grade Liz Fergus is pretty funny. No, No one ever asked me that. Do you, did you know, I, I, I try to ask those hard hitting questions, man. Did you, did you know right then and there that sales was your destiny? Like, did you kind of have that mindset where like I could sell fucking ice to Eskimos? No, I don't think so. Um, when did that happen? When did that hit you? I think it was high school. One of my best friends, uh, Eric Coral, he's a big entrepreneur. And like, we were always the kids that were like, did really well in school, but we were bored. So we were always doing dumb shit, getting in trouble. <laughs> I um, can relate. So then like we started as we, we were thinking about going to college, we started applying that energy into like productive stuff. And then we just started getting into online sales, sales, marketing, and started making a lot of money doing different things. And then that's when like, I, I honestly, like that was right when it hit it. It was like, I saw the president's club and my father's 16 years old. The carrot that, was that's dangling. When I was like, I got to go to get into sales. And then once we started experimenting with what can we sell and make money off of uh, 18, when we were doing a ton of gambling online, we then just started selling for the gambling sites and, and made way more money selling and marketing and recruiting for those sites. Yep, exactly. And that That's when it hit me freshman year, you know, made a million dollars and I'm like done. Yeah, I'll, I'll never that, could, that could totally do it to you. So let's go back to those early days of sales. What were some of the mistakes that you made that you see some young salespeople making today that you try to guide them on? So my second, so the first company, we didn't make a lot of mistakes. Um, online gambling was a hot market. Everyone was doing it. Um, I built a, a search engine to find all the contacts at all the dorms. So basically all the college kids in all the dorms, we created this technology to scrape it all and get it all. And then we would email them uh, to sign up for party poker, poker stores and full tilt poker. So like that was a huge success. And then we took it from one college to another and then global uh, and online. But the second company in mobile. So um, we, we crushed online poker. They made it illegal online poker in the US. So we had a transition out of the market. And we launched a text message marketing company called InMobile. And that was when flip phones existed. And uh, we made, this is where we made all the mistakes. So mistake number one, we we tried to look and act so big. Like we were the experts. Our shit didn't stink. You were flexing. 
like we were flexing. We got this 10,000 square foot office space. We hired 50 people and we had zero sales. Like that was problem number one. Problem number two, when we were selling this text messaging software to the Fortune 500, Fortune 1000, we didn't know how to build the lists. Like we knew we had to sell to the advertisers that would want to do text messaging to the consumers. And we had no way to build these company lists and these contact lists. So like we just kept failing and losing month after month. We just didn't know how to sell. We didn't know how to prospect. We didn't know how to build the lists. We didn't know how to pitch. And like we closed some big brands, vitamin water, rockstar energy drink, Jack Daniels, uh, like Dairy Queen, global franchise, national franchise. There were, there were some really big accounts, but it represented such a little cash flow that our expenses were through the roof. We lost millions. We had to shut it down. So I would say like those things there is like, one, you have to have the lists. And that inspired me like later on to build Seamless.ai. Two, yeah, we didn't know that you have to have so much high level amounts yep. of activity in sales. It's always a funnel. be prospecting every day. Always be filling the funnel. Always be prospecting. And then third, communicating the value and understanding the personas, needs, wants, KPIs, uh, their dreams, their goals, their aspirations, and then tying the pitch to where they're at today, where they want to go tomorrow, and how do you make those goals and dreams a reality? Right, putting it about those them the first before we you. Doing. Yeah, I mean, but those, but those early lessons were the foundation to your, to your success right now. So pivoting a little bit, I want to talk about relationships. Relationships are the fundamental structure to everything that, that you and I do in our world here. And the majority, I would say the vast majority are long-term. And I truly believe in you know, the average lifetime value of a relationship versus that short-term transactional aspect. However, sometimes you got to make a quick sale. Sometimes like, you know, there, it is a little bit transactional. What is your philosophy on long-term versus short-term sales and relationships? So uh, number one is you, you got to sell a product that you would buy yourself and that you absolutely die and believe in. Like, there is no short and long-term sale if what you are selling, you have so much belief and confidence in that it is creating so much value to the customer that you would do whatever it takes to ensure that they go with you. Because if they go with someone else, they're hurting their family, they're hurting their income, they're right. hurting their, 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 whole, you know, their whole life um, is at risk if they don't go with your product and service. So for me, everything I've sold, I, I just so heartedly believed in that it would change their life for the better them, their company, you name it, that I never had a short-term or long-term sale. It was just like, I had to go all in on the product that I knew would positively impact a lot of people. And then I know that if they don't go with that solution, whatever they, else they go with, they will get worse results. They Got will it. lose more money, yep. that, you know, you name it. Um, and like th that's come to, to greatly benefit me. So like, for example, when I was selling for Google, I pitched this big technology. Well, no, the startup, the startup technology company at the time pitched them. They were doing a few million dollars. We get them on the Google ad program. They go from a few million to let's just say 10 million. And then they sell for 120 million. Wow. Fast forward four years later, I launched Seamless.ai. I'm fundraising. The guy, the CMO I pitched and closed at that tech company is now a venture capitalist. I'm in the room with seven venture capitalists. He's one of the general partners. I pitched them. He knows, I know my shit. 
I'm, I'm like, I've got integrity. He knows I'm smart. He knows I will, I work 24 seven. He's like, yo, I, I worked with this guy and he helped take the company that all of you got rich from, from a few million to 10 million. And then we sold for 120 million. We got to give this guy money. Let's invest. So the, like if I was, you know, I was selling something that I believed in. I knew it would change their life. It changed their life. It was in your blood. You and then talk it came about back around to me. Like, that's why you have to sell the right things, sell what you believe in, sell what you would buy yourself. But that's interesting too, because a lot of people, you know, whether it be wherever their course of life takes them, they're selling something that they don't truly believe in, right? Like you gotta get out, you gotta quit. You, get, you can't like, be doing that. I just wholeheartedly believe that you, like it, it, three years into selling in mobile on my second startup, I'm like, this isn't going to work. This is stupid. Like I lost the belief. I lost the confidence. And I'm, the fire like, was gone. When, the fire was gone. And once you get there, like, like you're going to lose sales because people will know, like if they, if they go into a pitch with me and, and I'm pitching and I'm all in on my product and I'm buying for it myself as well. And I'm getting it to you. Like, and then they go up against you who doesn't believe in your product. You hate what you're selling. Like, I will always win with a high degree of confidence over time. Um, you know, the, the, sorry, there was something popping here. You know, I will always win the deal over someone that doesn't believe in, in what they're, they're offering. Oh, no, totally. Absolutely. So shifting over to seamless AI, you answered one of my questions before about how it kind of came to be, but do you remember, I don't know if there was like that aha moment. I don't know if it was like, you know, for me, when I launched my company, it was literally a conversation I had with my wife when she's like, I was working for another search firm and she's like, why can't you do this on your own for yourself? And it was like that. It was literally, I was like, yes, of course I can. Yeah. And now we're sitting here two years later with, with my, with, you know, my company being where it is right now. But was there that moment? So I, I slowly noticed it a little bit like when um, immobile was a complete failure because I'm like, damn, if I just had the sales mm -hmm. list, I would have won, but I didn't do anything about it. I didn't think about it. Then when I went and sold for IBM interactive, I needed to go after all the fortune 500 digital marketers, the VPs of, of marketing, the VPs of digital, the CMOs of digital. And I, I was wasting, you know, I, I took an audit of my time and I was spending 30 hours a week building these research lists, you know, doing all this research, scouring millions mm -hmm. of websites, looking for the contacts that I needed to sell to copying and pasting that data into Excel, then scouring millions of websites, looking for emails, phone numbers, insights, research, you name it. I'm like, this is stupid. So I ended up like hiring people for like 10 bucks an hour to build these lists for me because I knew my hourly rate. Mm -hmm. I could pay these guys. Yeah, it's arbitrage. That, mm -hmm. that gives me 30 hours back. Scaling so like, and grow, man. I initially built a system to do what I wanted to do. Then like I started talking to all these engineers at IBM and Google and in my network. And I'm like, hey, you know, what if we just built a search engine like Google, like IBM? that can literally research the current titles at the current companies, find everyone. And then I built the prototype, started using it at IBM, won a bunch of big deals. The Google and the Google search agency saw I was winning all these deals. They're like, hey, you should sell search. Then when I went to Google, we went all in on building the prototype fully. And then we went from you know zero to a hundred million and uh, quickly, and then they became a customer. And then like people in the ad tech space became a customer. And I'm like, okay, I got to stop working on this 40 hours a week outside of work while I'm working full time. I got to like, just build this all in myself. Got to go all in. And then, um, and then it was like, all right, we're all in. And, uh, from there, you know, it, it took years to build the products. Like you don't build a search engine that finds everyone's emails and cell phones and everyone you need to sell to overnight. It was three to four years yeah, of hell, 
But um, now, you know, we're helping 35,000 companies and we're on pace to get to 100,000 companies. That's awesome, man. And nothing, and nothing worthwhile is easy, right? Anybody uh, who thinks there's a hack around this. Not. So let's shift gears a little bit. And I want to dig into, you know, I, I am a recruiter. I know it's a dirty word these days, talent acquisition, whatever you call it. Why? I love recruiters. I'm Dude, a connector. My, my, my talent manager, like we would, we, we've got 50 employees. We'd be zero if it wasn't for our talent team. Doing it right. Hiring the best talent. Like, it's key. It, actually, the number one mis- one of the the number one mistakes I made launching Seamless, launching in mobile, launching uh, my first company, I didn't need any employees. But if I could go back again, the first hire I would bring on is a recruiter or a talent manager. Number one hire, and I read it in Mark Roberge's sales acceleration formula, and I'm like, nah, he doesn't know what he's talking about. But guess what? Then you start half-assing and firing sh- hiring shitty talent. It's critical. And then you don't scale because you have the like the whole foundation. It's a fu- it's the same funnel approach it's too. Totally you got, fucked. It's a, you got to put the right people in play there. So let's talk about you know hiring salespeople. What are some of those traits that you look for when when someone's sitting across from you? And we'll get to interview questions in a little bit. But you know even when you're kind of you know reviewing resumes like or those first conversations, what are some of those real traits that you look for in a good salesperson? I mean. It's pretty easy. If they're in, if they're in inside sales, how many appointments did you book this week, this month, this year? Metrics. Like, it, it, I look at metrics. Like, mm-hmm. hey, how many appointments are you booking every day, every week, every month, every quarter, every year? Uh, AEs. Like, you know, how much you make? Like, I, you know, like it sells. It sells. It, the numbers out it's there. It's all numbers. Like, if you ask me, hey, what's your W two? Yo, I made one point two million. You're like, okay, this guy's real. Like. Oh. Versus someone that's like, hey, I made, you know, 22 grand or I made 40 grand. Like now- the Proof's in the pudding. That, but let's, that, let's talk about junior people. Way. Yeah, but let's talk yeah. about junior people that are coming into this, to this game. What are some of those soft skills that you look for? What are those, some of those, you know, yeah. traits that you had when you were younger that you see in other people when you're looking across them? We used to ask a lot of interview questions like, you know, what motivates you and, and why sales and all this bullshit. And it's good, but like anyone that's trying to interview for sales, they could sell themselves pretty easily. What I do now is if you're going into outside sales that's seamless in AE, I will give you the whole script and I will give you log into the software. And I say, for your interview, you are pitching us. Yep. So we'll do one round of interview like questions. And if they pass that, it's good. Bit. Second interview, they're pitching us. As they should get right to it. Can 30 you, can, minutes, can you 60 do it? minutes. Can you pitch us? Like I'm giving you the script. I'm giving you objections. Here's the demo. Pitch us. And like, Right away, you could tell who's comfortable, who's not comfortable, who can do it, who can't do it. And then for inside sales, we literally bring them in and we say, hey, you've got two hours. Here's your scripts. Here's your list. Book as many appointments as you can. Go. Go. And we yeah. literally like, I used to do all this stuff, questions and, and personality tests and all this stuff. And then I'm like, just get right to it. I need to know, can they book appointments? Can they close? Deals? Right. Let, let's just get right to it. Like, can you do no this bullshit. job? This is sales. This isn't Everyone like. Everyone says they could do it. And then when you put them on the phone and they're frozen and they're scared and they can't pitch because oh my gosh, you can't be timid. Talk to someone over the phone. Oh my gosh. That, you know, that, that's the reality. Is sales, like, is a, sales is a different breed, man. It, it absolutely is. So shifting gears again, let's talk about leadership. I mean, you really have established yourself as talking about different styles of leadership, specifically around servant leadership. For those who don't know what that means, let's pull back the curtain. What does that mean to you? How do you embrace it? And how do you, you know, implement that in your leadership style and practice? Yeah, I, I think servant leadership is 
doing whatever it takes and assuming responsibility for everything to maximize the potential of every single person at your company. So I always assume the failures and the learning experiences and the mistakes that are made from our entire company. Um, because at the end of the day, it like starts with me and it ends with me. So uh, my goal is just to empower our whole team to mm -hmm. maximize their success. And every day I'm trying to figure out what is holding back each team member's success. Like how can I multiply their success? What is holding them back from multiplying their success? And I'm just like all in on figuring that out every day. And it's not just something like that you say, it's literally asking everyone every well, day, like, well, hey, their success is your success, right? Like exactly. their success, like you're, you're, you're all, you know, you're all in it together. Um, what's a mistake. And, and that came like, just to share, shed light on that. Yeah, sure. So that, that came from, so when I was selling for IBM, it was a toxic culture, like anything good that happened, my chief revenue officer, my, my sales leadership would take uh, the win. Like I, I would do all the work. We would win a big deal. They'd be like, that was because of me, oh, that's bad. me, me, me versus like putting it on the people that did the work. And like, that always drove me nuts. I fucking hated it. And like anything good, they would take ownership for anything bad. They would put on it us. That's not the way. And, you do it. But then when I went to Google, it was the exact opposite. It was like, anything good is because of our people that are working their ass off. Anything bad is because of us as the leaders in the company. And that's how I learned servant leadership. And I'm like, wow, like my, my results selling for IBM versus Google were 10 X five X greater. And I, I was like the same person doing the same thing, but because they knew how to multiply me, multiply my passion and empower me and give me recognition and help me solve complex problems without saying, go figure it out on yourself or you're fired. Like they would help me solve problems. They would empower. Like I it's just took that difference. and I ran with it. I mean, it's such a different mindset and how much more productive and results you get that. So, so you, you mentioned 10X, 10X associated with, with Grant Cardone. Um, you seem to be embracing that mentality and, and tactics a little bit. Let's pull back the curtain. You know, what, what does 10X mean to you, that kind of mentality? So, I'm, I mean, I follow all the sales, mm -hmm. the, the, the sales authors, sales leaders. Um, Grant, Grant had a big impact on my life. Um, you know, I always felt weird. You know, I always felt fucked up with how much I wanted to work and go after my goals and dreams. Like everyone always criticized me. And then, you know, when I came across Grant in 2009, 2010, like before anyone knew who he was, I just realized like, okay, this guy's on the same wavelength that I'm on. And then, uh, they, you know, they ended up actually offering me to run their, their TV network. Mm. And I turned it down and then they became customers of seamless, which is really cool. Look like how I, that works. I, I was going to, well, I was going to work with them. I was going to run the TV network with Jared and Grant. And, uh, I, I actually like accepted and then I turned it down because I was already building seamless. And I'm like, there's no way these guys are going to let me build seamless, uh, and sell for them and, and market the TV network. So ended up uh, turning it down and then they became customers. And now we've got I don't know, 30, 40 reps from his office on the platform. So nice. that was like surreal, but to, um, it's just about going all out for your goals and dreams and not letting anything hold you back and just assuming responsibility. Like I just anticipated it's going to take 10 years to build a hundred million dollar company here at Seamless. I anticipate everything that I need to do. I'm underestimating the amount of work and I just try to 
go all out every day as hard as possible. Yeah, and, and you, you talk a lot about going all out and all in, which, which I believe in and I get, but I also believe in, in having that downtime to recharge and reset. How do you find balance in your life? I mean, it, like, it, it's like a marathon runner, right? Like, I work, I work like, I don't know, 18 hours a day, 16 hours a day now, every day, seven days a week. Because like I've trained my mind, my body to, to not need a lot of downtime. Like last night I, I wanted to watch a show for an hour to chill out. And I'm like, no, I want to read this book. And then I'm reading this book to help us scale and help us acquire new companies. Like my brain's just always going and like, it's a marathon it's a mindset, before, yeah. before I would need like a day off every week. And then like, it's a half day off. That's an hour off. Then it's like, you know, it's all just about what works for you. What works for me doesn't work for everyone. Right. I, I, I'm, tr I'm like an elite marathon ultra runner when it comes to sales and marketing and entrepreneurship. Yeah, but built it differently. took me a decade to get to there at that point. Well, you were in training, like using, using the runner analogy too, which brings us to, you know, to Gary V. You know, Gary V is something to everybody, right? Positive, negative. You know, Gary V has impacted people. You know how he's impacted my story. How, is, how has he inspired you? Yeah, dude, by the way, I cannot believe we were able to lock in the interview with Gary Vee. So, awesome. so we interviewed him for our book, Sales Secrets from the Top 1%. We were prospecting him forever. It's a tough to, one. To, to, to get him. And then like we growth hacked this event, growth hacked the media team, Andrew, uh, Tyler, and those guys figured out how to get him in a room, meet with him and interviewed him for 20, 30 minutes. It was fucking unbelievable. And I know you worked for it. Yep. Like I want to let's we got to talk about that for a little bit. Like yeah, I'll, I'll mention how he impacted me, and then I want to talk about you sure. and you working for him. So, uh, I document, dude. So he taught me. I already was a an all out entrepreneur. So like what he talks about, you like had that 18, 20, 22, Like he was hustling. Like that's all I was doing. I went to school full time. I was building a multi million dollar company. Then I launched a second company. You know, like. I was doing all that in college from 18 till now, right? Like I'm on my third company, lost a lot, won a lot in between. Um, so I was always all about going all out on building businesses and building sales. Um, but the thing that I, I, I wasn't on top of was the social media marketing and the documenting. The branding. Mm -hmm. And the writing. So now like, you know, now there's just cameras everywhere. There's cameras following me all the time. Less now, but... Like, uh, I would say six months ago, there were cameras always following me. Now it's like all every now and then they're following me. I got to get back to the following all the time. But he just taught me to document, edit, and share. And, I, and be authentic. He taught me it's okay to be you. Like, that was one of the biggest things that I learned from, from Gary. Like, I don't need to pretend like I'm this political, super perfect salesperson or CEO. People follow me because I am me. Because you're the real deal. Like, I'm the CEO and founder. I am me. I don't, my whole life, I didn't believe in wasting time and trying to fake being who I am. Like I share my experiences. I am me and that's just how I act. Absolutely, man. And you can't fake it. I, I we talk about this all the time. Like I see it a lot on LinkedIn too. People are putting out this persona. They're faking authenticity. You cannot manufacture authenticity. You cannot manufacture your reputation. That takes time. And like, you could bullshit and hack all the vanity metrics that you want on a platform, but it really comes down to those real relationships, those real established relationships where people believe in you, they trust you, and they value you. That's really the currency, right? The currency isn't the number of likes and, and the vanity metrics. It's really about, you know, true authenticity. Um, yeah, I 100% agree. Yeah, I mean, 
Let's talk about LinkedIn for a little bit. And you recently posted a six-step framework to, oh, sorry, going to backtrack for a second? I want to backtrack, dude. Yeah, go for me. Pause, you, you rewind, backtrack. You there we gotta go. You got to walk me through this. So, so you worked for Gary Vee, by the way? Yeah, man. Like, so I found that out like like way later because we were trying to lock yep. in this podcast. You didn't know who then I was. Then I found out the Gary Vee thing because I saw his talent presentation at LinkedIn. Yep. And and he pretty much almost brought you up on stage, it calling been, you out about. I wish he did. I mean, like, I can't. <laughs> like how you worked for him. And then, you know, he let you go or you guys parted ways. Like, walk me through, like, yeah, man. A, yeah. how did you get into VaynerMedia? B, what, what happened throughout that experience? Yeah, man. I mean, my, my, my journey at, at Vayner, I mean, this, this, this episode's about you, but just to give it a little bit of backtrack, you know, I worked in Adland for 15 years, right? And Vayner was always on my radar. And we're talking back in 2013, 2014, before Gary was a household name. And growing up here in New York in the business world, I mean, everyone knows everyone. It's a small world. And a couple of my connections. My friends actually know Gary. They've done business with Gary. So they made the introduction. I met him and his team. And I actually went in for uh, an interview about seven, eight months before I actually got the job. And how it big was the team when you interviewed the, small. the company? I think it was about 80 people. Okay. Yeah. Now it's up small. to almost 7,800. Yeah. yeah. But we're talking 2000, then, that's small. 2014. Um, and then... They didn't have a spot for me right away. I went to another agency and then I got a call back a few months later and they said, Hey, he's still interested and went back in. I re-interviewed. I had, you know, a couple of lunch meetings, all that kind of stuff. And I got the job. Long story short, man. And it just wasn't, it didn't work out for me. There were situations in my control. There were situations outside of my control, but ultimately I didn't handle the situations that were in my control the best way. And ultimately I lost my job. I got fired. I let outside things affect me. And I tell this story all the time. It was that day that I got let go, that Gary gave me the most important words of wisdom. He said, stop focusing on the shit that you suck at and double down on your strengths. And I walked out of there. My head was a little bit higher, but dude, I'll tell you straight up. It was a low point in my life. I had deep, dark, awful, bad thoughts. I had yep. the darkest thoughts I've ever had in my life. I questioned my value, my self-worth. You know, I was 35 at the time. I'm like, what am I doing with my life? If I can't hack it here, this is what I've been doing the last 15 years of my life, right? Like, what am I going to be doing? And I made yeah. that decision to analyze deep down, introspective, self-awareness. What are my strengths? My strengths are what you and I are doing right now, right? I'm a sales guy at heart, man. I mean, I, I'm a recruiter. I mean, that's in my blood. We're, in, we're, we're cousins, right? We're, we're both selling something over here. And I wanted to have unlimited earning potential. Right? I have a house in the burbs, high taxes, and I couldn't be locked in to like 150K salary a year. That's fine and dandy for a lot of people, but not for me. Yep. Right? So I needed to look for something where I could kind of hit on all these, all these marks for me, and it was recruiting. I mean, it was a natural progression. I did my due diligence. I did what I had to do, and that took me to where we are today. But going back to Gary, um, I mean, you saw that video, man. I mean, that's called long-term relationships. That's called not burning bridges. That's called That's awesome. you know, loyalty. That's called believing in people that believe in you. And I, and I wholeheartedly, if you believe in me, that means so, that I, that's loyalty to me. Showing that you believe in me, that carries on forever. And you go back, watch that video I posted today, man. And that's, that's a story and that's real shit. And I, and I post that to inspire people, right? Because what you have, what I have, what people like us have is called tenacity. And that's what fucking yeah. drives us, man. That, that's, one, that's one of the words that I preach to my, my team all the time. I literally got off a big company call. I was like, we're going to go from 50 to 500 people in 12 months. I'm like, that's my, that's my goal. I was like, the only way to get there is by being resilient, being tenacious, being opportunistic, being positive. 
there's going to be a lot of change. But do you think I'm going to try to implement change? And do you think our team's going to try to implement change to grow slower? Do you think we're like, hey, that's a really good idea. That will help us grow much slower than growing at a thousand percent year over year. I was like, we're doing these changes to help us to put more fuel into the rocket ship. But I, I need all of you on the team in the ship to be resilient so you can fly this damn thing. It's going to be tough. Uh, it's not going to be easy. It's not going to fly straight. Yeah, it was like, you know, I use the word tenacious, resilient, positive. I think positive is number one, tenacious and resilient, number two. I love it. But uh, yeah, that's awesome. So, so you I want to talk about LinkedIn. Yes, I want, to, I want to hit on a note here on LinkedIn because it's specific to sales here. And you recently posted about a six-step framework to LinkedIn messages. For me, my biggest turnoff is the connect and message. And I'm always like hesitant. Like I see somebody there and I see their title and I see what they do. And my empathetic heart is saying, you know what, maybe they're just being, you know, authentic and they want to connect. They appreciate my content. And the second my little finger hits that button to accept, boom, comes in that hard sales message. Tell us that's awful. I fucking hate it. And I would say I reject about 20% of application of, of connects that come in. I don't care about the numbers. I don't care about the followers. But you posted recently about this six-step framework to LinkedIn messaging. Let's hit that real quick. Audio. So you've got the, uh, the six-step framework. You've got the, the compliment. I, I'll just run through the six steps first. So we could break them down. So compliment, research, relevant elevator pitch, testimonials, uh, call to action, and then next steps. So and I think I'm, I'm missing one of the main ones. that I'm going to link everybody to that post frame. also. When, right. I, when I get this podcast out, I'm going to link everybody to that post, Brandon. Yeah, no, that sounds great. So compliment, like, there's always something great. Like when someone compliments you, you, you are already more receptive to, to engaging with that person versus not like take the time to research them, compliment them on whatever they're working on, whatever they're writing about, whatever they're doing, whatever their experience, like be, you know, do it with uh, integrity, like literally look them up, research them and compliment them about something that you find a value that they're doing and then do some research on them. So like open up with a compliment, then do some research about what they're doing, their role, their company, you name it. Then elevator pitch, relevant elevator pitch, like give your quick one sentence elevator pitch tied to them and the research that you did um, and, and how, where they're at today, where you could take them tomorrow based on what you know about the research that would help them make their goals and dreams a reality. Then it goes into, you know, basically the, um, basically like the call to action, like what's the call to action that you want? And you can't have multiple call to actions. It's gotta be one call to action. It can't be like, can I add you to my newsletter? Can we book an appointment? Can, can you buy this? Can I take you to dinner? <laughs> Keep it simple. You know, it's gotta be like one simple call to action. And then next steps are asking for, for a response. And uh, if you do those six steps right, you know, you should see over a 50% response rate on your LinkedIn messages. And I think the number one thing, and I don't think you left this out on purpose because you already assumed it, but a lot of people don't is relevance, right? I, I, I can't even put a number to it. I would say it's the majority of people that reach out to me in a sales pitch. I, I feel like they haven't even looked at my profile to understand yeah. who I am and what I do. And they, they're, they're trying to sell me the, the best dude. And I'll tell you, this, this is the fucking best. When other recruiters reach out to me to recruit me for jobs that I did 10 years ago, and they're not looking at my most recent job. I'm like, bro. I'm a recruiter. 
and I, and I, and I, and I don't blow them up. I don't call them out, but I, I take a minute to really talk to them and say, Hey, let's pause here. Did you take a look at my back? I'm trying to coach them a little bit so they don't, they don't make this mistake again. It's, it's ridiculous. Like, like how do these people make a living? Yeah. You, you gotta have the relevant elevator pitch tied to them, their company. Um, because no one's going to pay attention if it's not relevant, like one specific person in one specific industry, one specific role with one specific set of responsibilities, go after that niche, pick a niche and get rich and write your messaging with this, this six, like the six piece framework to convert and connect with those people. Pick a niche and get, pick a, pick a niche and get rich. Right. I love yeah. it, man. I, no, it's good I always say niche. Niche, you you niche. know, even though it's, it's niche, like niche. I just like the sounding niche. of niche, It works. but, uh, you know, pick a niche and get rich. It works, man. Let's bring it home here. What, what is the single best piece of advice that you have ever received that you take action on daily? It will always take more work than, than, than you're thinking. And like, I just go into everything, assuming that it's going to take way more work than what my mind, my body is thinking. I want to lose 10 pounds. It's going to take way more work. Whatever I think, okay, that'll take a month. Like, and I'll take a year. Like, you know, I, I just auto assume like this massive amount of time. And then I just do the daily required habits consistency consistently to yep. make that goal and dream a reality because habits I know right. it's going to be so damn hard. And I think people quit in sales and entrepreneurship and marketing because they just in recruiting because they just underestimate the amount of work. They think it's, it's easy pay. money. They think like, it's easy money. No get rich quick scheme. It's funny because I was reading Nathan Lacka, shout out, man. Your book's awesome. How to be a capitalist without any capital. But it's it's very much like uh, Tim Ferriss's book, Four Hour Work Week. And he's going through all these ways to get rich. And like he, he breaks it down like he's making hundreds of thousands of dollars working very little. And like I'm you just boat. know that's bullshit. Like yeah. you know, A, you're working really hard. And it's not that easy what you're conveying in the book. And I hate people that try to say you can make all this money with very little work because it's not true and it's impossible. And if we let people believe those things, they will try and they will fail and then they will lose hope. Um, now, granted, sales automation technologies or marketing automation technologies will help you do it 10 times faster. But even using a platform like Seamless.ai, it's still going to take a lot of work because once you have all the emails and phone numbers of everyone you need to sell to, you need to write the emails. You need to write the messaging. You got to be super specific on the persona. You got to do the research on them. You got to send it. You got to follow up. You got to pitch fucking great. You got to close great. There's so much work. Like, you know, this is my second multi-million dollar company. And like, it took years. It took years. Like, it took fucking years, 18 hours a day, seven days a week. It took everything. It's and, not, uh, yeah. I mean, even I take Grant Cardone, like that G5 took a lot of work. Yeah, you know? like I, I just talk about the hard work and not underestimating what you have to do to pull it off. No, I, I love it, man. I don't know how much thought you've given to, to the word legacy. And, and I feel that you, you, your, your, your mind has certainly gone there. But what, what legacy, you know, do you envision leaving behind? What do you want to be known for? I just want to pot like my my goal and mission with when we launched Seamless was to positively impact a billion people. So, you know, I mean, I was like, how do I quantify this? Right. It's really hard to quantify positively impacting a billion people. And um, I'm like, well, if I, if I create, if I help create 
with our product and our platform and our network and our content. A thousand millionaires, like boom, billion dollars. Boom, there it is. A thousand times a million is a billion. That's one way. I was like, okay, well, that's the goal. A thousand, um, a thousand, uh, what's, what's it called? A thousand millionaires, done. That's one goal. And I was like, okay, well, you know, that's like the top 1%, right? Like, what about if we helped create a 10,000 people earning over $100,000 in income? And I was like, that's my second goal. So it's really 2 billion. Yeah, I want to possibly impact a billion. Our KPIs are 2 billion. And then we're tracking that. And um, it's, it's really cool to track. Like, uh, I want to show you how we're going to track this. So we're tracking it. And we came out with two awards. The seven-figure. So we came out with President's Club. Right. And we're literally tracking every sale, every appointment that gets booked using our product. And we're going to have this massive award ceremony. And we're, we're literally going to... Uh, um, hold on. I want to show, I'm going to share my screen here. And for the people listening to the podcast, this is the will, first, this is the first screen share on the podcast. Well, if, if you're listening to it, you're not going to see it, but we'll have, we'll have the audio, the you audio guys up here. Won't, won't be able to see it, but we're, we're going to have that. an award ceremony and we're going to give out awards to all of our users called president's club, the six figure award and the seven figure award. Membership in a president's club for earning over $100,000 with Seamless.ai. It's going to be in the name, the year. And I want people to hang these massive awards on their I wall. would hang that shit up. And then we've got president's club, the seven-figure award. Membership in a president's club for earning over a million dollars with Seamless.ai. So right awesome. now, well, we're trying to figure out who can print these because it's going to be the, you know, the, the, they're going to be You got to go to the record. You got to go to the, the people that do the record company gold labels yeah. for these, man. Dude, Old it's, it's going to be huge. Um, those just got designed. We're getting them printed right now. And then we're going to host uh, a President's Club event in Florida. And right now, one of the ways that we're going to do it is uh, we're just going to invite everyone that, that joins President's Club to go to the event. We're going to ship out these big awards. I'm paying for it. Like we're, that way we could celebrate achieving our goal of positively impacting. I, I, I agree with celebrate, celebrating success, man. So let's bring it home here. And these are, these are two questions that I ask every guest. Cool. The first one. What, what is your superpower? What do you do better than almost anyone on this fucking planet, man? Uh, work hard. Like, so I, I just fucking hustle. Like, whatever the problem is, I'll, I'll, I'll work my ass off to research and find a solution. Like, you know, I don't do Google AdWords and I just set up a, a Google ad campaign with 200,000 keywords that are all tied to my industry. And I researched... 600 sales tech companies analyze all their PPC keywords. And like, I did that in like four days. So, so like, you know, there's just this, this hard work working. Like I, I'm never the smartest guy in the room, but I work hard, you know, I work hard and like, that's how we built a search engine. That's how we acquired 35,000 companies. Like that's how we raised millions in venture funding. Like I just do things that I've never done before. And I don't know what I'm doing, but I'll, I'll just work hard so that, you know, even my uh, lack of intelligence my, my work ethic outpaces it and then I'll figure it out. And you can't, you can't, you can't teach someone that work ethic, man. You can't, that that's in you. And Brandon, last but not least, listen, not every day is sunshine and rainbows, man. Not every day you're, you're closing sales. Some days are rough. Some days are shitty. Some weeks oh, are dude, rough, some months, some quarters, right? So when things all are awful and you need to pull yourself up and you need to like find that harness that chi and harness that tenacity. And also when you want to show gratitude, when you're thankful, you know, what is your North star? Yeah, I, I think I just write down my goals. You know, like I'll write down my goals. 
you know, want to positively impact a billion people, want to build a company that generates a hundred million in sales, want to, you know, create a thousand millionaires, 10,000, you know, people earning a hundred thousand dollars in income. Like I'll just write down my goals and then I'll also sometimes also write down like the, like the gratitude journal, like instead of focusing yeah. on the negative, let's focus on the positive. Like what are three to five things that went fucking awesome today, even though today was terrible. It's, it's so hard to pull yourself out of bad days. Like dude, I had a terrible day like three days ago and you just feel like the world is crumbling and you don't know what to do. But at the end of the day, dude, it's just a bad day and it's going to get better. So you just got to have faith. You got to stay positive. I'm always trying to stay positive. So I just rewrite down my goals, reinstitute why I'm working so hard, write down things that went well, regardless of the, the pain or the problems that you uh, f- became faced with. And then that just helps like fight through it. I love it. Yeah, man. Hey, Brandon, thanks. Thanks for coming on the show, man. I appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me, Adam. I appreciate it. And, uh, Look forward to hopefully helping a lot of people. Yeah, and, and closing thoughts here, everybody. And to quote a recent post by Brandon, quote, I truly believe every day you're either moving forward to accomplish a goal or you're moving backwards. And I couldn't agree more with you, man. Effort and tenacity are the key drivers and you have to ask yourself, are you ready to step up and do it? Make that sacrifice and live the life you want or not. It's that simple. It really is. Sales, it's fundamental to every type of business and we all do it one way or another. Whether we know it or not, we are upselling to clients, potential customers, and at any time, we're really trying to persuade someone in business to make a decision. Some, many, choose sales as a profession, and they need to be empowered. And I've hired BizDev, customer service, customer management, client management, and other sales-related roles, and it's a bit different approach for some versus other positions, and it's really important to understand those key metrics, those vanity metrics, I'm sorry, those KPIs, which are essential to understanding a person's success. But aside from sales results, Understanding what the key attributes to a successful sales pro is essential for hiring. And on the flip side, if you're a candidate on the market, how do you ace that interview? And how do you put your best foot forward? Having insights is key to success, and pros like Brandon are a goldmine to learn from. Brandon, thank you for joining me. I appreciate it. And where could folks connect with you? Where could they find you? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I'm all over seamless.ai you can join seamless.ai for free the world's best sales leads find anyone's emails and cell phones with the click of a button wherever you browse um i post daily content on the site videos tips scripts lists everything you need to maximize your sales success at seamless.ai and then also on linkedin uh we post 20 to 50 times a day different strategies tips best practices on linkedin i connect with everyone although i'm at the the cap of connections i hate that linkedin does that So just follow me and shoot me a message and I'd love to chat with you. Awesome. Good stuff, Brandon. Thank you for coming on. And to everyone listening, thank you again for joining us on the podcast. Please be sure to click link, subscribe, comment, network, and share. And remember, take your online, offline, and catch us next week for another great episode of the podcast. Wisdom is forever, but for us, it's time to go. Thank you for joining us. Luckily, we'll be back with our next episode jam-packed with more incredible humans. For more info, please visit www.nhptalentgroup.com.